Welcome to The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Alex, cuz, welcome. Hey, tell me, you ever used Amazon Prime to stream? Uh, Have you got an account with them? Have I used Amazon Prime? It only facilitates the greatest TV show of all time. Which one? Bosch. Bosch. I've read the book series of Bosch. That's the Lincoln Lawyer um, cop, yep. isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, well, it's actually it, the Lincoln Lawyer is actually not technically based on that main character, but they no, are. No, but he's a, he's a character linked. in the Lincoln Lawyer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So my favourite author, Michael Connolly, he created this fictitious. Absolutely sensational yeah. author, Her- by the way. Hieronymus Bosch. Best name ever, Hieronymus. Maybe, maybe you can call your kid Hieronymus. <laughs> Who knows? It's in the mats. Hey, any day it's now it's you're going to be a dad. List. Any day the, now you're going to be a dad, by the way. So the put it on the list. Hieronymus yeah. Fitzgerald. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway, Bosch, so the answer to your question is yes. I had Amazon Prime. I do not. I've paused it because I haven't found anything that I want to watch on there. So rather than pay uh, the, whatever, 16 bucks it is a month. Uh, Why? Uh, Why do you un- ask? Unpause it and uh, watch Flat Share. It's a great book too, but it's about Never heard of it. It's about a guy and a girl who share a flat together. <laughs> um, one one bedroom, one bathroom, uh, and one has the flat from eight pm to eight am. One has the flat from eight am to eight pm. They have to change the sheets and uh, basically, you know, get out within that twelve hours. It, it is a sensational. First of all, it's a sensational book, but it is a equally wow. good uh, TV show. Interesting. On Amazon, one season? Yeah. What are we working with here? What are we working with? What do you one mean? season? One season? Uh, yeah, just one season. Yeah, one one season, that'll be it. Hey, uh, it leads into, um, though, a bit of a stat fact, so we'll pay the uh, the stinger for that one. Stat, stat, stat fact. The stat man. Stat fact. There was 1.3 million, 1.3 million what are you streaming say? accounts cancelled in oh. Australia. In the last three months of 2022. Interesting. High number. I mean, I would love to know some more context around those numbers because I myself have about three streaming services. All just yours or do you share them? Well, you know, I just didn't want to digress confidential information on this podcast because we have a lot of listeners, but I share two of them. I share two of them. Oh, three. I share all three. <laughs> I share all three because I've got a younger brother. <laughs> um, well, maybe for some perspective, there's about 6.1 million streaming accounts that are active at the moment. So it's a significant okay. chunk, 1.3 of the 6.1. That's a lot. Uh, Cancelled in the last three months of 2022. Uh, producer Nick reckons it may have coincided with the crackdown on uh, sharing of accounts potentially. <laughs> Producer Nick, I reckon, uh, is an absolute culprit for doing that. He's, Absolutely, uh, he he is I mean, as savvy as it comes when little 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 hacks. If he can play the system, producer Nick knows how to do it. <laughs> that sounds dodgy. He's even got a website where you can read newspaper articles when you don't subscribe to the news platform. Hang on a tick. I need that real quick. <laughs> he showed us all yesterday. You We've can. all got it now. Um, <laughs> Stop it. We're on live, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Sorry, News Limited, if you listen. Very exciting. 
for you down in Melbourne at the moment as you yawn, such is your <laughs> level of excitement. Uh, really, really fighting one back there, weren't you? Hey, uh, you've got a you've got a new. A uh, staff member down with you, Sammy. Yep. He's yes. moved down and uh, he's going to start to do some buying of property around Australia. He's going to have to build his network, isn't he? Uh, mm. And he has got no one better than the master networker <laughs> himself to to learn from. So tell me, what are your tips for him when it comes to networking? Because I think it's a really important thing for professionals. Um, yeah. Not just, you know, say white-collar, blue-collar job. Anyone who's got a, a job and a career, it is important to network and build a network over time because yeah. it's not really down to what you know. It's down to who you know, isn't it, as you progress through your career? I, I fundamentally believe that. I really do. And it, it comes down to everything. I mean, a few episodes ago, we talked about negotiating a home and, and I think, you know, getting cushy with the agents is, is also helpful. You know, you might meet those. That's a form yeah, of networking, look, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it is essentially. And, and look, I mean, you've got your personal network and your professional and from time to time, those things do cross over. So I guess when we talk about networking as a whole, it is it is a somewhat of a holistic conversation. But I mean, the, the start of your network is, um, I mean, you've got to actively go out and network. You, it, it is an active thing that you have to make a conscious decision to do. For me personally, I love property. I love real estate. I love the industry. I love learning new things. And, and you would obviously be in that category with me, Cuz, because we've gone overseas. We've done a bit of networking overseas. But I personally, I'm, I'm pretty heavily involved in a property organisation called Urban Land Institute, ULI Australia, uh, and I make a conceited effort to go to all of their events. And after t- over time, networking is not easy. Like I'm an extrovert, but I still do get a little bit nervous when I'm the I rock up to somewhere myself. But when you do something enough over time, and you sort of push yourself, you start to see the same people. You start to actually figure out what you got in common, converse about, and then you your network starts to organically expand, you know, and you have conversations about what you do, um, who you are, what you're interested in, and you find your commonalities with people. And, and, and you find once you start making a really conceited effort, it does become more organic over time. What are your little tips and tricks? What, what do you do? Um, look, I, I will say up front, I'm not as good at it as you are. You you are good <laughs> at like um, the group things. I'm, I'm more of a one-on-one operator. No. Um, yeah. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm just a fan of picking up the, the phone or sending an email or, you know, a, a message on, on one of the social medias and just uh, asking just if call. someone wants to catch up. I, I think um, I was fortunate where... Um, Someone taught me early on ab- about that in 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 my my career. Just that that's what you got to do. You just email or, or phone them, and and people are normally pretty happy to catch up. I think you, you know most of us we sort of think, oh, that person's going to be busy. They're not going to want to catch up yeah, with me yeah. or um, or that sort of yeah. thing. But I, I've always found that um, sure, there's some people that fall into that category, um, but you know probably three or four out of five are more than happy to have a chat. And then and then as you meet people, I think you know people who who've got really good ways of thinking that think different to you, um, yeah. that have different opinions to you, um, that, that you know, might be more experienced than you. I've always just really enjoyed spending time with those people. So I've sort of gone out of my way to try and 
see if I can grab them for a, a quick bite to eat or a coffee yeah. or, or something like that to to get that um, that that networking one on one time. And then and then it just sort of snowballs, doesn't it? Because oftentimes they'll it does sort of say, oh, you know, they'll hear about what you're doing and and they'll tell you what they're doing and and they might say, oh, you know, have you ever heard of so and so? You should go and reach out to them. They're they're sort of probably doing something similar and and maybe there's there's a, you know a synergy there and. And you say the same to these, you know, so it snowballs over time, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, I think too, if you're a young person sort of coming in cold, the, the group scenario and going to like specific organisations, events is, is an easy in. Um, and it will sort of like, you, you'll almost train yourself over time what questions to ask people and, and how to approach them. So I think for a, for a young person, your approach might be a little bit daunting because, you know, t- it, like it is a little bit scary just calling True. someone cold. Um, not to say you shouldn't do it, but it is, it is a little bit scary. You know, you've got to meet that person in the first place to ask them to have a coffee, I suppose, don't you? Now, networking is really important for me, particularly because I'm, you know, we're in our family business. So I feel like if, if I'm not, you know, we deal with a lot of consultants and external people, but if I'm not actively going and networking outside, um, you know, I'll just be in my own little bubble. I won't really know what's going on in the world or, you know, I'll miss out on some of the great ideas that aren't coming to me through my, my own very tight family business network. Um, and, and things help you so much over time. Uh, like I, I think there's people that I met five, six, seven years ago, a long time ago that only just now we're talking about doing business together or like we're actually properly connecting each other further and, and sort of progressing each other both personally and professionally, which is so cool to think about. Yeah, and it is great to meet people that do similar jobs to you because um, you're right, you, you have a narrow sort of view on things and yeah. a narrow experience, a narrow prism Whereas you meet someone who does maybe um, you know a similar similar type of job, but 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 in a different way, mm. it just expands sort of the the perspective that you've got. Um, but I, I think totally. anyone, we always get a lot of guys come into the office, and I always think it's just great to say, you know, I, I'm more comfortable one on one. You're probably more comfortable in groups than me. Either both, way, I think both. it's great to you know pick. So once a month you're going to go to a group thing, or once a month you're just going to. Catch yeah. up with someone that you don't know. Um, it's a great thing to, to do as a little habit. Um, it's a smart goal. It's a specific, measurable, achievable, ooh. relevant, and time-specific Re- goal. Very, very there relevant. you go. How good's that? We're, rela- we're starting to relate <laughs> to previous episodes. This is really next-level <laughs> podcasting right here. That's evolution of the double shot right there. You've that was about two episodes ago, guys. Compound growth. That's where we're going next. The Oracle, not Harry Trigoboff. Again, another <gasps> reference to a previous episode. The Oracle of Omaha, most successful investor in the world, Warren Buffett, swears by it. When he's asked what's the secret to why you are one of the wealthiest people in the world, he always says compound growth. He also says a bit of luck uh, and being born <laughs> in America. But Compound growth is one of them. So I thought we'd unpack that today because it is um, something that a little bit hard to wrap your head around. It it sort of gets taught at school, doesn't it? But it's one of those things, it's like algebra or, or, um, you know, um, all that stuff with the X's and Y's. It it just goes in one ear out the other, doesn't it? Because you don't really understand how this is going to relate to my life. It certainly didn't click for me in school. (laughs) 
Me um, neither. But I, I guess my favourite and most easy to digest description of compound growth is very simply growth on growth. Yeah. Would you agree? Do you have a better way? Yeah, I like growth on growth. And um, actually producer Nick taught me this one and I loved it because um, he did listen in, uh, in high school. Speed, course which is. is simple growth versus acceleration, which is oh. compound growth. So you can imagine speed, you know, you're going at the same speed and it's, and it's sort of going along co- consistently. Mm. Acceleration, it's going fast, but then it's getting faster and faster and faster and faster over time. Yes. And that is the difference between, yes, simple growth, which is just growth, and then compound growth, which is growth on, on growth. And uh, what it means in, in practical um, circumstances is say you've got a 1000 bucks. You've got a thousand bucks and you're going to invest it. I like it. And someone says, yeah, I'm going to give you 10% on a thousand bucks. And you say, great. And you don't ask any more questions. And it (laughs) turns out that that 10% is simple growth. Still, hey, a good return. You're getting, you know, 10% or $100 every year Mm -hmm. on that thousand dollars. So in year 10, it's worth 2,000. And then it just keeps going. And in year... Year 20, it's worth 3000 uh-huh. You know, the 1000 is growing by $100 every single year. Compound growth is instead of just having that growth of $100 each year and getting $100 on the 1000 you instead get 10% on not only the 1000 but also the 100 that you've earned in year one. So you all of a sudden in year two, getting 10% on the 1000 plus the interest that you got the previous year as well. And it does add up over time. So put it in perspective, the 1000 goes to 2000 in year 20. If it's simple, becomes nearly $2,600 in year 10 if it's compound. And then the longer it goes, like acceleration, the longer that you're accelerating, the numbers really start to differ. So in mm. year 20, where in simple growth, a thousand would become three thousand. In year twenty, with compound growth, it's six thousand seven hundred dollars. It's more than double, so it really does have a significant impact over time. Really good way to put it, and I guess uh, to relate it back to what we do, it's staying in real estate for a long time, but also duplicating. Yeah. And, you know, most people do sell their properties within five, six years. That's a statistical fact. Could have it's been a bummer. fact. Could have it's used a, that. That's but, a bummer. But uh, most people sell within five or six years. If you can hold a property for 20 years, you can imagine, like the previous example, you're just going to do that much better. So it really is important to try and, and play a long, long game because compound growth gets better with time. What is it? The eighth wonder of the world. That's it. Who's going first? No, this is uh, this is one I want to get you to start with, and that is another really common question we get: how to get a deposit other than just saving it. What are the different ways you can get a deposit? It's such a great question because you don't just have to save it, do you? Well, are we talking about house number one? 
I suppose. Can talk about it in whatever context you like. <laughs> World's your oyster, Alex. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about house number one. You gotta you gotta find the cash or the deposit somehow, right? You gotta yeah. find it somehow. Probably the biggest challenge. Uh, definitely a huge challenge and, and probably something that I, I found quite difficult as well when I bought property number one. Okay, number one, obviously save it. Bust your chops. Get on Facebook, offer, offer your services, make some extra cash on the weekend, all of that. Number two, <laughs> try to do a deal with your parents. Some are able to, some are not. Some people who have their parents might not have the cash but they've got significant equity in their own home. So why don't you sit down as a family, crunch the numbers and do a bit of a deal? Like I'm not saying a gift and see you later. I'm saying doing a deal where you pay it back. Um, I, I actually did that. I saved, I saved 20 grand and then my dad lent me 20 grand <laughs> and, I, and I had to pay him back over two and a half years. I think it's 6% interest. I, I've, I've blocked it out now. It was, it was, you know, so terrible. Just kidding. Um, but that was the deal that I cut and that was like eight or nine years ago now. So interest rates were about 6% at the time and it allowed me to get into a property sooner and he was pretty bullish on me buying sooner so he was happy to match what I had saved. So you can do a deal with your parents. I think that's a really, it's a really good point too. Don't expect a free ride. That's yeah, when it goes I, wrong. If you totally. say I just want some money and yeah. I don't want to offer you anything for it, wrong way to go in. If your parents or a friend, friend or family member is happy to do that yes. and not charge you, then great, awesome. You should take them up on that if, if they're generous enough to do it. But yeah. Don't go in with the expectation. I think that's uh, sometimes a mistake. A lot of people make when approaching the conversation uh, yeah. with that family or friend. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think we have ever said ask your parents for money. We always say do a deal with your parents mm. because it, it also teaches you like, I guess, negotiation. Uh, it helps you understand your purchase, helps mm. you understand the numbers. And, you know, this is the they're things that you'll learn that you'll never forget and you'll be able to apply them on your other property purchases. So I think mm. it is it is important to sit down as a family and, and do a deal. Uh, and obviously it has to suit you and it has to suit your parents, but most mostly your parents because they, they got all the power here. Or buddy up. Find someone else who maybe has half a deposit. You might have half a deposit and yes. together you can pull the resources and buy a property together. I've seen, I've had lots of friends do that. Really? And, um, yeah. I think you've got to, number one, have an agreement but number mm. two, you know, at some point realise that you're probably going to have to sell or buy, one's got to buy the other out. Like there's yeah. got to be some sort of discussion up front about what the exit strategy is going to be. That's where I've seen it run smoothest is if, you know, you know, I've seen a lot of people where they know that one one particular person is going to buy out the other at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, normally it's where that person might have a, relationship or something like that where they actually want to keep the house and, and use it. Um, but as long as you've got the exit strategy nutted out up front, have an agreement in place, um, buddying up and pooling resources is a sensational thing to do um, because oftentimes you'll make a lot more being in the market than what you lose, um, you know, being out of the market as property True. prices and things change over time. Yeah, that's right. I agree. Get, get, you know, try to muster up one of these ideas sooner to get a deposit together sooner. I mean, look, we, we have to also mention uh, the, the many deposit schemes that the governments have, state governments have first home buyer schemes where they'll front 
um, some cash in contribute towards your purchase um, and and also give you concessions on the stamp duty, which minimise your costs because mm. obviously you've got to save a deposit to buy, but you've also got to save the costs to buy, which sometimes can almost outweigh or, or match the deposit. Uh, and then, of course, there's things like the first home loan deposit scheme uh, where the actually it might have been superseded now, but you used to be able to get 15%, pair it up with your 5% that you've saved and then get the balance borrowed from a bank. But I believe under the new federal government, they'll give you 30%. I think it's still going till 1 July. It depends on when you're listening okay. to this podcast. That's, but, right. uh, that's right. Yeah, from 1 July, the government actually put in 40%. So that's even even better. Unreal. Uh, up to 40, yeah, depending on the per- is it, it depends on the purchase though, doesn't it? If it's new yeah. or existing or There's whatever. There's terms and conditions and all that. And then uh, <laughs> the parental guarantee is, uh, you know, another one where, you True. know, your parents can guarantee the, the you know, the difference between the deposit that yes. you do have and the deposit that the bank needs. Um, that's another that's way actually, where they don't have to actually put the money in. It's yes. just that, um, you know, you pay the, the interest on the loan, uh, all that sort of thing, and then at some point you, you get the parents off it when the property's either gone up in value or you've paid off enough debt. I dare say that would suit a lot of parents, wouldn't it? They don't have to front anything, but, you know, they're happy to guarantee it, which, you know, does involve, I think, they've got to get solicitor's advice and, and stuff like that. But I think it is a darn good way to do it. But I think yep. all in all, Cuz, to summarise, um, you're better off hustling your your little muffin off. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, find another way. But, uh, hey, Chunky App to today, get in. Uh, I'm so excited. I've got the Saturday night... Um, hands away, got a wog wheel that I'm going to go get, a pizza, and I'm going to stream Bosch now that you, you've got me so excited for that. You know, you're not going to like it though because it's really it's really intense and I know you don't like watching things home alone and getting intense because you get a bit scared. <laughs> I don't like going to bed with high anxiety, you're right. But that's no, all right. I'll, no. I'll, I'll, I'll Late afternoon have one app, see how it goes. Yep, all right, do that, report back. We want to hear. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.